Amen. Put your hands together for Brother Bill Ott. Yeah, I'll get you to come around every every church I go to and have you come make introductions right here. <laughs> Good morning, family. Good to be back here. I, first thing I want to say to you is thank you. you. This church has been supporting our work for a long, long time. And uh, so I feel I should be giving you a report. And uh, I have a lot of newsletters and things out there on the table that will give you all kinds of good stories about China and the things that God's doing in, in different parts of the world. But I just want to thank you. It's, it's uh, churches like this that put fuel on our fire. And so uh, I'm gonna, what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you a few pictures. Uh, you can go ahead and start. We're having a little difficulty trying to get pictures up, but I'll tell you a few stories. And, but while they're doing that, let me mention to you, as a thank you, I brought a, uh, another booklet for you. This is an 82-page booklet. Everything out there on the table is freebies. Don't take my flags, kids. Don't take my flags. Uh, so I, I brought this uh, little publication to you, and it's put out by Charisma Media. And it's an 82-page booklet. It has a devotional in there, and it has some very good articles, fellows like uh, Bill Johnson, and names you would, Joyce Meyer, names you would recognize. Anyway, it's a good little thing. Take it home with you as a gift from us, and our way to say thank you for being a part of what we do. Let's see what we got. Oh, my, that's seeing me. That's, that big is a little scary. All right, why don't you just go to the next slide. Yeah, we're going to, there we go. Uh, of course, uh, Lifeline International is a vehicle for our own ministry, the evangelism, and of course, Susan being a teacher, and uh, we've been at this a long, long time, and uh, you can just go to the next slide there, working in evangelism, and of course, our main, as you heard, our main emphasis in the last 20 years has been China, because uh, I've, I've learned the smallest little effort I can give makes the biggest splash there, you know, and uh, it has the biggest impact, and that'll get you addicted. So I've been addicted to China and the population there, and what we've been doing in that nation has produced a lot of fruit. We're involved in, uh, well, I guess I've been in over 20 provinces there working with the underground church, the house church movements, and over the years, this has just snowballed and has continued to grow, and so our influence there has continued to grow uh, among the Chinese. You can go between no 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 this is india i just got a, a word this week that we'll be back in india in november where i go to teach uh, mostly young people bible students there'll be three bible schools that come together and we just cut ourselves and bleed just pour out on these hungry kids uh, uh anything we've learned in god and it's one of my most delightful times is to pour into Bible students in anywhere in the world, whether that's Honduras, India, uh, China. I just love spending time with the young students. Okay, yeah, this this uh, this is a I have a PowerPoint presentation, and and I think they struggle. It's it's rebelling back there. The uh, computer rebels against. Uh, this may not work, friends, but uh, we're not. Uh, oh, okay. Our first uh, work, of course, in going into China is working with the unreached people groups. There are parts of this world have not heard the gospel yet, haven't heard the name of Jesus. I could stay on the corner of a city in China of a million people and just ask all day long, you ever heard of Jesus? You ever heard of Jesus? No, 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 no. So the task has not been complete. And so I have had a real desire to help reach the unreached people groups, and many of you are familiar, if you have missions understanding uh, about the unreached people groups. And so we've been a part of, of supplying into these areas, planting churches in unreached areas around the world. Uh, I can tell you some stories, uh, some of the places we've been, we've been the first foreigners to show up in some, in some areas. And uh, I remember one of the first unreached people groups that we we touched was a, a little place called Tuva, about 150,000 people up in the mountains of, uh, a little, well, a little place called Tuva. It was uh, one of the small provinces inside the Soviet Union. And when the Soviet Union was opened up, uh, we went there and we were the first to, to walk in there and they had never heard the gospel. We went into the, uh, the universities and the schools and, and we brought literature and now there are 
uh, last I heard, about nine large churches in that particular uh, country now. And so all they need is the gospel. And when the power of the gospel goes into an area, it flourishes. And uh, so it's a joy to see the kind of fruit that the gospel brings in unreached areas. So let's see if we can just keep these pictures cranking out. Come on, give me another picture. Okay, we're working in crusades and seminars. You can just go to the next slide. Uh, whatever it takes, uh, miracle services are pretty huge in China. Uh, just in China, there's such a hunger, and wherever the gospel is on the frontier, there's always a lot of signs and wonders. And uh, the Chinese, are, they receive so easy. And I like to ask them, uh, when I'm with them, how did you get converted? Well, almost all the Chinese have told me they either got healed or one of the relatives got healed or they were witness to some kind of miracle or healing. That's how they got converted. That's called power evangelism. <laughs> you see, that's called the working of the Holy Spirit that's bringing the gospel to a people that haven't heard it before. So that's one of my joys in going to unreached people groups and going to places like China. You know, we all like, we all like miracles, you know. We all like healings, you know, we like to hear them. I could tell you stories for the next three weeks here, you know. I, I have a word for this house, but I do want to give the report that the, what, you're, what you've been doing in supporting the ministry, we appreciate it. Let's see what, if we can keep this moving here. Give me another one. Yeah, you can, we'll just show some pictures here. This is out in the countryside, some miracles, eyes opening, deaf ears opening. And, and a big part of what we do, of course, when we're in these areas is, uh, of course, we're equipping. And uh, as an evangelist, you know, I know there's different kinds of ministries. There's medical missions, and then there's uh, construction missions, and there's all kinds of outreach that we can bring, what we have to the world. And the one area that I want to focus on and have focused on is getting the gospel. So anything that will advance the gospel in an area is where Lifeline International is committed. And so that's where we sow our finances, that's where we invest in young evangelists and church planting and any kind of equipment necessary. This is just not working, is it? Uh, so maybe we'll work one day, I'll come back and just tell you pictures and show you pictures and just spend a whole hour and tell you stories. I don't think we're gonna, I don't think this is gonna work for us here. You just, there we go. Uh, we've supplied equipment, literature and finances for ministries and still doing it in over 50 nations. Uh, you can just go on to the next, just get as many pictures in as you can. Happy Chinese. Uh, these are pastors. They're taking goods back to their churches. One of the things in the, in, the, uh, in the Chinese church that we've been doing for 20 years, I didn't realize it, that the Chinese church, they needed the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I didn't know that. And when I got there and when I began to talk to church workers and church leaders, I found out the majority of them were not baptized in the Holy Spirit and they needed to be empowered. Well, the fire of God, well, the way they get baptized is a fire coming. I mean, they can feel heat. They feel that fire coming on them. And then they get baptized in the Holy Spirit. I come back three months later to do some more teaching to these leaders and these pastors. And they say, oh, we went back to our church. The whole church got baptized in the Holy Spirit. We planted three more churches now. What, what do we do now? So it's quite exciting for me to hear the reports once they get empowered with the Holy Spirit. And this is literature, you know, I, that's South America. Uh, just keep finding as many pictures as you can. That was Philippines that flashed there just a few months ago, giving out they love those little books. By the way, those are out on the table. If you don't have one, you need to get one. And, of course, like I say, empowering, spending the time with uh, these leaders and getting them filled with the Holy Spirit. That's been a, a big part of our ministry uh, yeah, that's just not happening, is it? All right, that's, uh, that's India right there. I'll be back there again for pastors' seminars and conferences, and uh, mostly the Bible school students is what I look forward to. Teach the underground church leaders in China. You can just go keep going as fast as you can here. Training students, I think I've already talked about that. Just let you give some visible love to hang with the young people. They're all in the cities now. Uh, they come in for jobs and education. So they're not so much in the countryside anymore. And so my time is now spent more in the cities because that's where the next generation is located. And so we're spending a lot of time with the next generation in the cities. Uh, <laughs> God, I love China. I can't stand seeing these pictures. Uh, there, that'll give you a picture of how hungry. I was just saying goodbye to them. You know, we've, this was a Bible school in Beijing and, and 
you know, we just say, okay, it's time to leave, and we're all weeping, you know, because we've just had three or four days and in God, you know, and in, in, in the Word of God, and they're getting empowered, their lives are getting transformed. I say, okay, we gotta, we gotta catch our train, goodbye, and they rush to the front, you know. Uh, so anyway, any more pictures there? Just keep going. There's some faces of China that gives you an idea of what life looks like on their faces, and these are some of the many nations that lately we've been sewing into, whether that's Jesus movies, literature, Bibles, and the last one is for you. Thank you, New Covenant Church. We appreciate what you do. Thank you. Give yourself a hand. If I go any longer, I'll start crying, uh, and I want to give you a word this morning. I've been living in the book of John uh, all summer long, uh, uh, teaching uh, to a church over in Hilton Head when I'm home, and uh, we're in the midst of getting a senior leader there. And uh, hopefully that'll happen this fall. And uh, I'll be doing more and more traveling away from Hilton Head. But I have been teaching out of the book of John. And I've been living in the, I don't know if it's called the upper room officially, but the Last Supper. Uh, and what's happening at the Last Supper. And I felt like there's something in this uh, thing that's going on with Jesus and the disciples that I wanted to put in your pocket today. Uh, that I, I felt was very significant. Let me give you the setting. Okay, we're in the upper room, all right? This is, uh, this is the third year that Jesus has been, his ministry has been made known in Israel. John the Baptist came announcing him. He came with miracles. And he, Jesus, at this point, he's the national conversation. Multitudes are believing he's the Messiah. And here it is, it's his third Passover and it's at Passover time that the, the Jews believed that the, the Messiah would return. And so there's just a great expectation that the kingdom of God is to come. This is it. We got our man. Jesus is here. There's the great triumphal entry right after he raised Lazarus from the dead. I mean, there is a movement of revival happening in the nation. And so after the triumphal entry, they're in the, uh, having a last supper with Jesus. And, of course, the disciples are pretty pumped. You know, they're, they're in the inner circle, you know. Kingdom of God's coming. You know, Jesus is going to rule the nations from Jerusalem, and we're in the inner circle. You know, we're in the cabinet here, you know. You know, and, and an old argument arises of who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. Oh, God. I mean, right there, this is Jesus' last day, right? And, and he's going to be crucified that that next day, that next afternoon, and these guys are still arguing who's going to be the greatest. Well, Jesus uh, decides that at that Last Supper, he's going to put a final blow to this problem. And while they're having an argument, suddenly there's somebody at their feet washing their feet, and it's Jesus. And it was quite effective. You know, you, you just get into that story and you'll see what he's teaching them in that moment that puts an end to this strife and, and division that's happening among them as to who's the greatest. Well, that was, I mean, you know, the room got real quiet. Jesus is down there on his knees washing their feet. Boy, that was burning coals on them. But that's, that, then the next thing that happens in the upper room is he drops a, a real bomb on them series of bombs and he says to them all right guys I'm leaving you what you're, you're no you can't leave now this thing's about to blow this is about to happen actually there were militant groups in the hills of Judea that at, at Passover time ready to go take military action against the Roman Empire. This is what the Jewish writers tell us. I mean, this was a moment in Israel that, I mean, the thing's about to break, and Jesus says to them, I'm leaving. You know? No, no, no. Not only that am I leaving. I mean, I, by this time, the room is just, they're stunned. They're shocked at this news. He says, and one of you here at the table is going to betray me. Next bomb, that, that's like a, a shot to the gut. And he says, not only that, but all of you this night will forsake me and the shepherd will be struck down. 
another shot to the guy. Peter, of course, the first to speak, protests, no way, Lord, though all these forsake you, not me, Peter. Now here's, here's an uppercut. I mean, there, I mean you, three times tonight you shall deny me. Now, I want you to see how stunned they are. They're distressed at this news. This isn't at all a happy occasion right now, all right? He turned this feast time, which was a celebration, into a, a just a distressing time for them. And now he goes into a comfort mode with them when he says this in chapter 14, verse 1. Let me go there. John chapter 14, verse 1. He says this, <laughs> right after he drops all these bombs, he says, do not let your heart be troubled. He says it again uh, in the 27th verse, don't let your heart be troubled. Jesus is going into comfort mode with them. And he says, all right, and, and here's what I want to say to this church. What I saw in what's happening in the upper room here, he's got these 11 disciples, 12 disciples, but he's going to take 11 of them into a transition. They're about to go into a transition. See, uh, Jesus has been with them now for three years. Uh, he's been teaching them. He turned their life upside down. They said, man, you've got the words of, of, of truth and life. Who, where else shall we go? I mean, their lives have been changed topsy-turvy, okay? The, he's been their teacher. He's been their guide. He's been their helper. He's been the one with them. And then he says, I'm leaving. Bummer. But he says, but don't be troubled, I'm sending someone else like me. I'm sending another. I'm sending you a helper, okay? And he shall now be your teacher, and he shall lead you into all the truth, and he won't only be with you like I was with you, he shall be in you. Now, here's the transition. They're going from being Old Testament believers in the Messiah to being New creation livers, to, to be New Testament Christians. And there is an adjustment for them to make because, one, all they've known, they're like all of us uh, before we're born again, they're sense-oriented. Uh, all men are moved by what they can see, what they can feel, taste, and touch. That's just the nature of the beast. They were not yet born again. They, didn't, they weren't alive on the inside yet. And so this is the way they lived. And, of course, every day they lived with Jesus. Every day, I mean, every day they could sit at his feet and receive revelation of the kingdom of God. Every day they could sit at his feet and, and, and they could watch this man reveal the things of heaven to them, reveal the things of God to them. They could see him. They could touch him. They could watch his lips move. They could look into his eyes and see the love of God. He was the representation of the Father. I mean, what a place to be. And Jesus says to them, I'm leaving you now but I'm going to send somebody else. I'm going to send another one like myself. And he says this. This is, the, this is the part that gets me. He says, and it's to your advantage that I leave so that he can come. Now, I, I hired a, hired a, a painter. He, he was from Honduras, and he, he painted my house when I moved in it, there uh, in South Carolina. And he had this phrase that caught on with me when, you know, we'd be looking at the paint and, we'd, you know, we'd look at samples or what we want to do with the walls. And he said, oh, no, we, we want to do this because it's more better. He kept saying, it's more better. I like this color. It's more better. And I don't know, that just really stuck with me. And, and this is what I'm hearing Jesus saying. He's saying, yeah, I'm leaving. You've been attached to me. You see, uh, but I'm just going to send you someone and it's going to be more better. Somebody say, it's going to be more better. More better. It's more better that they walk with a God they can't see and feel and touch than it would be for them to walk every day with a God, a representation of the Father that they can see, touch, feel, taste, listen to, look into his eyes. He says, it's going to be better for you to walk with this Holy Spirit person. Now, the natural mind goes eh, to that. Because we're, 
very sensory people. This is why man is so idolatrous, because we're moved by what we see. We're moved by the visible world. We're not so much moved by the invisible world. Okay, that's what a materialist, a materialist is one that gets his information only from his senses and responds only to the sensory world. But the New Testament Christian, the new creature, has a whole different transition to make where we walk according to an unseen world with an unseen helper and an unseen guide who's revealing what is truth to us. You see, we have a world that's trying to tell us all kinds of truth. We have things that our eyes see that we think are true, but this isn't what's true. Everything you see with your eyes is either going to burn, rust, or go away. This isn't the real. The real is that which is invisible. Now, that transition was for the disciples to make. They were going to move from being sensory Old Testament men to walking like Jesus according to an unseen world. You see, because as they were un, not yet born again, there were a lot of things that they were lacking. One, they didn't really understand everything Jesus was saying because they did not have the illuminator of truth on the inside of them that Jesus said the Holy Spirit would be for them, that he would lead them and guide them into all the truth. And so there was a lot of truths that they didn't understand even with Jesus. One of the most remarkable ones was they could not understand and grasp that Jesus is going to suffer and die and be resurrected. They didn't get it. There's a couple times in the Gospels where it shows they, 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 when Jesus talked about his suffering, they, didn't, they couldn't get it. All the way up to John chapter 20 in the tomb, at the tomb. Peter and John are at the tomb. They're seeing the linen wrappings and it says John believed because up to that time, John writes, they did not understand that he would be raised from the dead. That's just one of the things they could not grasp. There's numbers of things they could grasp. When Jesus was washing Peter's feet, he says, you don't understand this now, but you will after a while. You're going to understand it. When, when Jesus came into Jerusalem uh, 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 in the triumphal entry, uh, uh, he was riding on a donkey, and, he was, and it was quoted Zechariah. This is all seen in Zechariah chapter 9 about him coming in on a donkey. And it says that the disciples did not understand it at that time. But John says, but later they were reminded by the Holy Ghost, and they understood because now the Holy Spirit was doing his work of reminding them of the things that they had experienced with Jesus, reminding them of the words that Jesus spoke, and illuminating truth to them on the inside of things that they were witnesses to but did not understand. Because they did not have the Holy Spirit within them. And so as I'm looking through John, I'm seeing this before and this after. Before, there was a lot of things they just didn't grasp. <laughs> Kind of like you being in calculus class and, and you missed two weeks because you were sick. And so you, now you're in class and you're way behind and, you, and you're lost in the concepts. I think a lot of times these guys were lost because here was this man speaking spiritual things. This was a heavenly man speaking to carnal men that didn't get it all. Okay? You've got to understand that. Because this is, that's the before. But as you look at the after picture, you look in the book of Acts, they're receiving visions, they're receiving dreams. Over and over again, you see where the Holy Spirit speaks to them and guides them and leads them. And they begin to do things uh, that they couldn't do before. I'll give you an example. Uh, remember when Jesus fed the 5,000? Uh, <laughs> he tested them. He was showing them their inability to walk as New Testament creatures. What, what, what he said to the disciples, here they are in front of not just 5,000, but perhaps 10,000, perhaps 15,000, one of the largest groups, or the scholars say the largest group of people that Jesus ever ministered to. The 5,000 were just the men. And so here's this crowd. They didn't want to miss a word that he had to say, and so they didn't even go stop for eat and get out for, for some food. And so it, they were hungry. And so Jesus says to them, you know, disciples wanted them to, you know, to move along. Let's break up this crowd so they can go eat. And Jesus says, no, <clears throat> you feed them out of our money bag. 
tell one of the disciples what's in the bag. Oh. He says, 200 denarii is not enough. To, there's, there's not enough. The other disciple went and go see who was selling some bread and fish, and he came back with two loaves and five fish, and he brings it to the Lord, and he says, this is all we got. This is all we can find to buy. What is this among so many? And so you got one disciple looking in the bag saying, not enough. And the other saying, too many. Jesus was asking them to do an impossible thing. Now, in the natural, they're looking at their pocketbook saying, this can't be done. It can't be done. Well, you see, one day they're going to operate in a mode that is going to access the unlimited supply of God. And Jesus showed them how to do it, and he multiplied food for all of them. Why? Because he lived from another dimension. And this is the transition that these 12 have to go. They, he's, he's, he's telling them, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit so that you can begin to operate in this dimension. This is New Testament, New Testament living, my friend. And you and I have the same transition to make. We are not just sensory beings. We're not Old Testament people. We are new creations. And to uncover that and to understand that and to walk in that, you can't get that on your own. It is the Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us into these truths that brings revelation. of the, This is the role he said the Holy Spirit would do. Let me, let, me, let me give you one of the roles of the Holy Spirit that has uh, impressed me. Uh, here's what, there's a, there's a little phrase that you see throughout the scripture here in uh, John chapter 14. Let's see where the first one is. Yeah, the, John chapter 14, verse 20. And remember, we're, 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 in the, we're in the, at the Last Supper. He's telling them, he just blew them away. He says, but I'm sending somebody else. And here's what he says in verse 20, and you see it about three or four times in the scripture. He says, in that day, you will know. In that, in what day? The day that the helper, the Holy Spirit comes, the revealer of truth comes. When he comes, you're going to enter into a different dimension with God. Okay? And in that day, he says in verse 20, you will know, you'll come to understand that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. What's that about? Well, the Holy Spirit, he's saying, is going to be the communications liaison for you in heaven, just as I was for my Father. I spoke what I heard my Father speaking. I did what I saw my Father doing and what you saw was a perfect representation of the Father. I displayed His compassion. I displayed His works. I spoke to you His words. He was the perfect representation of the Father. So, Peter, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Have you got this? No, he didn't get this. They, 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 they just, eh, just show us the Father. They weren't getting it. And he says, but in that day, this is how it's going to work with you in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is now going to be your teacher, and he will take my words and reveal them to you. He will take the things of mine and disclose them to you. He shall testify of me. When you're hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit, you're hearing the words of Jesus. Just as Jesus represented the Father, the Holy Spirit is your communication line to Jesus. Matter of fact, you and I cannot grow in God apart from this role of the Holy Spirit. We'll stay stuck in sensual living. We'll stay stuck in old creation living until we learn how to walk with this person, the Holy Spirit. And this is what I'm saying to this church. This is what I want to say to this house today. Is to deepen your relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. You see... A new building isn't going to bring the kingdom. A new name isn't going to bring the kingdom. <laughs> it's a New Testament people that walk with the person of the Holy Spirit that will express heaven in any given community, including Tifton. You got to hear that. 
And so what I'm doing is I'm urging every New Testament Christian who has God living on the inside of them, who has been baptized in the Holy Spirit, to come to know the voice of the Holy Spirit and to walk with Him in such a way that you are, you're, you're, it's better than having Jesus living in your house, teaching you every day. It's more better. It's, you know, it's hard for us in our, in our natural first birth to think it's better for me to walk with this invisible kind of God, the Holy Spirit, whoever he is and whatever he does. Wouldn't, wouldn't I rather have Jesus teaching me every day, walking with me every day, mentoring me every day? Jesus is saying, no, this is more better. Now, I have to believe this. I have to believe that this is true, which says to me there's a whole lot more to learn about the person of the Holy Spirit and how to walk with him and how to hear his voice because it'll be more better than if I were walking with Jesus. I'm going to get this across, okay? It's more better. But, you know, but we still think essentially. Is that a good word to say? Is that, is that like that? We'd rather have Jesus walk into our living room and sit down on our sofa and talk to us. He's not going to do that. That's not the New Testament way. We're waiting for God to, a cloud to come into this room. Why? Because we're sensual. We're moved by what we see. We like signs. We like wonders. We like manifestations. And hey, I'm all for manifestations, okay? That's, that's great. These signs mostly are for unbelievers. And it's mostly for our unbelief that, that we have to see a sign to believe that God is here. No, no, no. I believe the truth that God is here whether I see something with my physical eyes or not. And the more I can train my senses, I mature in God. This is what the book of Hebrews says. Those that mature have trained their senses. I believe more what this says than what my eyes say. I believe more what the truth says about God and me than what I feel. Because God is not a feeling. Faith is not a feeling. We're waiting for a feeling. and Oh man, I'm waiting. You know, God will, sometimes God will start you out with a feeling. I could preach like this for hours here. Uh, when, I, when I first got saved and gifts of healing were alive in my life, uh, my hands would burn. It was a manifestation. And that manifestation was something I could sense and feel. And I, and I knew if I could get my hands on somebody, they'd get healed. I knew it. Why? I, I could feel it. Well, after a while, as I walked with God, he took that feeling away. He doesn't want me to be led by my feelings. He wants me to be led by the truth and led by the Spirit. It is the sons of God that are led by the Spirit of God. It is the children of God that need that needs signs, that need manifestations. You see, I stopped letting people fall down in my meetings. Now, why did I do that? Well, because we're so moved by what we see. And if, and if someone falls down, we go, whoa, oh, God must be here. Or if they didn't fall, we'd say, well, I guess Bill just doesn't have the anointing today. <laughs> well, and then the faith of God's people based on what they see. I, you know, I've seen this happen. You know, you can have, bring somebody up to here for me to pray for that's got a bad back. And I'll have, everybody will be praying along with me, you know. Help him, Lord, you know, help him, Lord. And then you wheel somebody up with a wheelchair and listen to the response. You know, as if that's harder for God. Why? We're moved by what we see. We're very sensual, you see. And we've operated so long as old creatures before we got born again. All men. We could only operate by what we see and feel. But I'm telling you something, there's another dimension that the Holy Spirit takes us to where we operate according to an invisible world. You see, there are more angels in this room than there are people. You see, and you start believing in a world that is unlimited. You start believing in a world that is all-powerful. You start believing and living according to that. Now you're living as New Testament creatures. Now that's why the book of Acts looks like it does. Because these, these 12 guys, listen, here's what happened in John chapter 20. Actually, this was the 
This was Easter, this is Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday, that night, he appears to them, Jesus does, after the resurrection, and he, he says, peace be unto you. He says it twice, and then he breathes on them. Now, this is very reminiscent of the book of Genesis, chapter 2, verse 7, where he fashioned man out of the dust of the earth and breathed life into his nostrils, the breath of life, and man became a living soul. That was the first creation that had the life of God in them. That was the first creation. Well, I'll tell you something. Man lost that internal life. Okay? He lost it. We all know that. We got it back. Hallelujah. But this was the moment that these 12, 11 guys got it back when he did this. They came alive on the inside with the spirit of Christ. This was their, their, their transition. They're now alive unto God. Now, for the next 40 days, or 50 days, I think, Jesus speaking to them concerning the things of the kingdom. And he said to them before he left, 50 days later, he says to them, pretty soon, you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You see, this, this, the first part was them getting born again. And they got born again up there. And then, man, I would have loved to have the tapes over the next 40 days of the things Jesus was saying to them. Because now they, were, they had some illumination on the inside and were beginning to understand the concepts that Jesus was talking about. Why? Because they had come alive on the inside. Same thing happened to you. You were blind. You were blind. I was blind. I couldn't understand spiritual things. I didn't know I was a sinner. I didn't believe all that junk. But when I got born again, bam, whoa, I could have missed this. Has anybody had that idea? I, I was on my way to hell. I, could have, I, I, I came alive with understanding. This is the role of the Holy Spirit. This is the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of the unbeliever. He convicts of sin righteousness and judgment that's his role for the sinner but for the role for the believer he's our helper not only with us like Jesus was with the disciples but he shall be in you he will be not only your eternal companion he said he'll be with you forever he'll be your internal companion okay and the more conscious I am of this person that I am carrying around the more I communicate and deepen my relationship with the Holy Spirit, the more I become a New Testament, new creation liver. Get this? That's right. More, it is. It's more better. You know, I was, I was watching an episode, oh, this was many years ago, of the Beverly Hillbillies. Now, now, some of you young people are even smiling. I guess they're still making reruns, right? Okay, so everybody in here knows about the Beverly Hillbillies out hunting, and up from the ground came a bubbling crude oil that is black gold Texas tea. Well, the first thing you know, old Jed's a millionaire, and the kinfolk said, Jed, move away from there, and said, California's the place you ought to be, and they loaded up the truck, and they moved to Beverly Hills, that is, filling pools. The stars. Ding, ding. You got the idea. All right. <clears throat> so here was some folks, some hillbillies with a hillbilly mindset, an old mindset that were dropped into a whole new environment. But their mindset was still hillbilly. You see, uh, they could have had the finest war robe in Beverly Hills, right? Well, they still wore them old duds. Jethro still tied his pants with a, with a rope, right? <laughs> so they still, they, that was, they still had old thinking about their work. They could have lined their circular drive there. They had one of the finest homes in Beverly Hills. They could have lined the drive with Rolls Royces. But they still drove the old jalopy. They lived below their privileges of what was afforded to them. And they didn't even know the luxuries they had. 
Remember the fancy eating table? Well, it was a billiards table. They didn't even know how to use it, you know. Uh, and, and, and the cement pot. You see, they, they lived old in a new world. Hey, my friend, this is what the Holy Spirit was saying to me that day. My people need to change their minds and start thinking according to the new world which has been afforded unto them. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 4. I'll read a verse for you. I'm going to have to land this uh, pretty soon here. But Ephesians chapter 4, I believe is where we'll find it. Yes. Read uh, verse 17. Now, here's another, here's another thought for you before I go here. <clears throat> Remember I said the disciples just didn't understand a lot of things until afterward? You know, Jesus used the word church just twice. He said, I will build my church. He also said, you know, if a man sins, and you, go, you confront him, and you go with somebody else, and if they won't, he won't listen, you tell it to the church. Well, Jesus was using a term that was foreign to these guys. They didn't know about the church, and the, and the church age was a mystery to them. Even just before the ascension of Jesus, they said, Jesus, you're here now. You've been teaching us for 40 years. Is it at this time you're going to take the throne? Is it this time we're going to upend Rome? Is it? They didn't have an understanding of the church age, but Paul did. Paul began to he wrote the book of Ephesians. Where did he get this information about the members of the body, the church, and the timing of things, the timing of the return of Christ, the, of, of what's happening as far as the Antichrist? Where did he get all this stuff? Jesus didn't teach it. The Holy Ghost is the revealer of truth. And he was leading these guys and Paul into a realm of which the natural man had no insight and understanding. And that's why you and I have the New Testament. It's the inspired scriptures of God. Peter called Paul's writing scripture. It's God talking to us. So when, when the Holy Spirit breathed on Paul, and so inspired him, he was writing accurately the truths of God. That same Holy Spirit, when you're in fellowship with him, and you're sitting in front of the Bible, he does this. And brings the understanding of truth to you and I from the scripture. This is the role of the Holy Spirit, to illuminate, to lead us. And, well, let me, let me read this, and I'll give you one more point about the Holy Spirit. Uh, we could probably should be doing a whole year seminar on the Holy Spirit. Uh, uh, Acts, or verse 17 this is the Christian's walk. Now I say this and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles. Don't walk like sense-oriented people. Don't walk like old creatures. Don't walk according to your first birth. We're to walk according to our second birth. Don't walk as the Gentiles in the futility of their mind. They're futile. See, this, this is why the spirit of stupid is upon this world. They're darkened in their understanding because they don't have the one that brings understanding living on the inside. And so they're futile in their thinking because here's the reason they're excluded from the life of God. All those that are not connected with God are darkened in their understanding and so the spirit of stupid is prevalent in the world today. What are you talking about spirit of stupid? All you got to do is look at the way people run their economies, uh, politics, uh, economics, uh, it's, 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 it's so stupid what's going on in our world. All you got to do is watch the 6 o'clock news and you'll see how stupid man really thinks because they're oblivious to the spiritual truths. They're oblivious to the spiritual world. And so they're walking in futile thinking and becoming callous have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. There is a good picture of the world 
But you, my friends, did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as the truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, the old hillbilly life, you lay aside the old hillbilly life, the old self, which is corrupt in the accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self which is in the likeness of God and has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. What has happened on the inside of us is the perfection of God in the Spirit and the Holy Spirit brings this life that you have on the inside, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead will quicken your mortal body, your dead thinking, your wrong thinking, and will be controlled from the inside, not the outside. Now let me tell you one more thing the Holy Spirit does for us. I'm just going to have to put a bow on this. One of the things Jesus said in this transition, he said he's going to illuminate truth to you. He said he's also going to show you, here's how he's going to help you. He's going to show you the things to come. He will disclose the future to you. And we could use some glimpses into your future. Because, really, we're so limited in our own minds. We, we don't know what's going on on the other side of this wall. We certainly don't know. But God knows what's going on the other side of this world. He, and the other side of this wall. He knows everything. And he will disclose it to you that you might walk in a dimension beyond what your eyes can see. Now, this is good for ministry. This is why the Holy Spirit gives dreams and visions, gifts of the Spirit, words of knowledge. This is, this is His role to show you and disclose to you the invisible, the things you cannot see, the future, a place where we don't live yet. But the Holy Spirit's job, I mean, this is, let me tell you something, this is normal Christianity, not just for ministry, but for life. But in ministry, I see it all the time. The Lord will give me visions of things that are to come. There's a real simple one. I, I was one of the first things that happened to me when I, after I was uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, began to minister. Uh, I was invited to come to a church in Edenton, Georgia, a place called Liberty Chapel, and I had never been there. And uh, but that night. I had my message already, and I, I went to bed. I was laying in bed, and I was praying. I was just praying, 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 just praying about tomorrow morning. And I had a little vision, and I saw an auditorium, and I saw myself preaching in this auditorium, and I saw a, a, a young man over here uh, with hair. He had blonde hair about down to his shoulders, and, and I saw myself calling him out, and speaking into his life and prophesying to him, and God encountered this young man in a life-changing way. And then I went to, I fell asleep. And so <laughs> I got up the next morning, and I, didn't, I couldn't remember anything that had happened the night before. Uh, and then I was in the side room with the pastor and praying before service, and praise and worship started. And so we walked out on the platform. When I walked out on the platform, I went, wow. I've been here. I saw this. Yeah, and I remembered the vision. I saw this last night. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I began to look for this guy with the blonde hair. And all during worship, I'm, I'm looking for him, and he's not there. And, and so we, I just kind of got into worship, and then I was introduced, and I was in the middle of my message, and I'm preaching along. And as I'm preaching, as I came over here, and I was preaching, pointing my evangelist finger, and there he was sitting in the chair, and, I, and I, I stopped what I was preaching. I said, where have you been? He looked at me, kind of scared, and he said, I was late, I was late. <laughs> and so I called him up, and just as I saw in the vision, he was having an encounter with God that day. See, this, this is how we operate in ministry. It's not what I do, it's my partnership with the Holy Spirit. You can see minister after minister has operated in powerful things as they operated by dreams, visions, words of knowledge. Just read the, the, the ministry of William Branham and you see this is basically how he operated. There was an angel that helped him in ministry. He'd get visions and he'd see things, even natural things. See, the Holy Spirit is not just for ministry. It's for everyday life. 
I'll tell you what, you need the Holy Spirit in parenting your children. Yes, hallelujah. Oh, my God. The Holy Spirit helped Susan and I in parenting our kids. You just, they, they, they avoided a lot of trouble because the Holy Ghost was talking to their parents. I can remember one day we were sitting on the couch. Uh, this is over in Dublin. You probably know this story. We've told it a dozen times. And uh, Andrew comes running in. My firstborn comes running in the back door, and he runs through the room, and he runs upstairs. And Susan and I both eh, had a little buzzer go off on the inside that, that that's not right, you know. And it was the Holy Spirit alerting us. Well, that night, there was a mischievous young boy that was staying the night with our boys, and he had concocted a plan and persuaded my boys that they were going to sneak out of the house that night. I don't know what plans they had, but and they were doing a little trial run at jumping from the second floor. And so Andrew was persuaded to be the first to see if he could do this without breaking his legs, you know. <laughs> so out the window he went, boom, and it worked. Into the bushes he went, and then he comes around, comes in the back door, and goes back upstairs. Success, victory. But the Holy Ghost <laughs> showed us the things that were happening, the things that we couldn't see with these eyes and hear with these ears. I had the Holy Spirit helping us to pastor. Matter of fact, when my, when my son, Andrew, was born, uh, I was traveling a lot, and I wanted to be home for the birth of my firstborn. And so Susan... Uh, she got a date one morning. She got up and she, she had a date come to her, which was two weeks before her due date the doctors had given her. It was July 11th. And so I circled July 11th on my calendar to make sure that I was home. I think it was like a Friday. And uh, sure enough, July 11th, her water broke. And my son came into the world on July 11th. Simple things like that. You think God cares about that? There are so many things every day. This is part of our prosperity. It's part of our protection to be hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. Laurel, I, I, I'm reminded of a story that you've told many times. I, uh, I, I probably tell it better than you now. Uh, you, you're, you're driving down the road late at night, and uh, there isn't anybody on the road. And, uh, and you're hearing a voice that's telling you to cross the yellow line to the other side of the highway, the other side of the road. And you... Heard it again, right? And you heard it a third time. And the third time, you obeyed it, and you turned your car across the yellow line over into the other lane, because it was late at night, there wasn't anybody around, and out comes a big buck bouncing into the road that she would have hit that buck and messed up her car, man, messed up your life, but it was the voice of the Holy Spirit that protected her in life. You know, some of the tragedies we have in our lives is because we're not hearing the Holy Ghost that wants to tell us that plane's going to crash. That's, that's a pretty radical one. But he, he, he's there for our protection. He's there for our guidance in life. And also in prosperity. God wants to prosper and bless his people. But you know, one word from the Holy Ghost. One idea from the Holy Spirit. One picture from him showing you the future. Think about that a while. Wouldn't you like to purchase some property on Hilton Head Island about 40 years ago at a cheap price. You know, little things like that. Why? This is the Holy Spirit's way. It's God's way of blessing you when he's ready to pour on you is the ability to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. My point this morning, I could go on and on and on about the hindrances we have. There's religious hindrances. There's Old Testament thinking that has creeped into the New Testament church that doesn't belong. There's a lot of things about getting renewed in the spirit of our mind, and that's why you have a, a teacher before you to teach you the New Testament principles and the New Testament way. But what I want to say to each and every believer in here this morning, and this is my message to you, deepen your relationship with the Holy Spirit. If you can do that, He will teach you all things. He will illuminate to you things that... Your pastor isn't even saying out of his mouth. The Holy Spirit is teaching you and giving you a life. You won't be able to sit still in your chair. 
Because you got the Holy Spirit talking to you while the preacher's talking. If you get up and run around, he'll be just fine. Why? You're getting light. You're getting revelation because you have a relationship that's growing with the Holy Spirit. Now, how do I grow this relationship with the Holy Spirit? Well, uh, talk to him. I mean, this is what's been good for me. I, I talk to him all day long. I get into a situation, you know, and I'm talking to the Holy Spirit. This is how you develop a relationship with him. Talk to him every morning. Talk to him every afternoon. Talk to him all day long. Lord, here I am in Walmart. Holy Spirit, is there anything you got in mind here? Is there anything I, I should be picking up that I'm forgetting? You know, see, the Holy Spirit will help you. <laughs> he'll just, he'll show you that, you know, have you ever lost your keys? I'll tell you what, does the Holy Spirit care about your lost keys? I want to tell you something, your lost keys mean your lost car, your lost house and everything. Yeah, he cares about it. I remember, uh, I think it was Dave Duell used to play this game. Uh, with another fella there in uh, Denver or uh, Greeley, uh, that when they were developing themselves in the word of knowledge, they would play this little hide-and-seek game. And in the hide-and-seek game, one of them would go take off in his car and go hide somewhere. And then the other one would pray in the Spirit until he got a picture, got a word, and then he'd, he'd go out into the countryside behind that barn. Boom, there he was. So, okay, tag, you're it. I'm going to go hide. You come after me in about a half hour. And they would, what were they were doing? They were developing a dependency upon this person that already lives on the inside of them that's more better than having Jesus in the car. Are you believing this? You believe this? Okay. This is the transition that God wants you to make from being a sensory-oriented person to becoming a real Jesus freak that believes in invisible things, an invisible God, invisible forgiveness, invisible favor. I've got extraordinary favor on my life. Doesn't matter what I see with my eyes, what people are telling me in my ears. I have extraordinary favor on my life. I have a language on the inside of me that is the most powerful praying I can ever pray. I don't feel it. I choose it. See, we want to feel it before we speak in tongues. Why? Because you're sensory, you're carnal, you're moved by what you feel. If I waited to have a prayer life, I waited to get a feeling before I had a prayer life, I'd never have a prayer life. If we're waiting for a, a feeling to move through this world, I won't become a worshiper. I choose to worship. I tell my soul and I tell my senses, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Shut up, mind. You get some violence going with your old man and put off. The, the word is cast off the old man and you make a choice to put on the new and to walk like a new creature. So what I'm preaching to you this morning is new creation living. But you can't do this apart from a deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to quit. I, I, I love this topic. Glory to God. Matter of fact, I'm just going to give myself an offering when I get home after. It's good. Uh, I have some booklets out there about the Holy Spirit. I also have another booklet. If you are not baptized in the Holy Spirit, you do not speak with other tongues. And I'm assuming almost everybody in here does speak with other tongues. There is an introduction to the Holy Spirit filling your life and the manifestations that begin to happen. And one of them immediately would be your spirit praying in tongues. Now you say, well, praying, that's not my gift. Listen, everybody has a spirit. Every spirit has a voice. And when your voice gets released, this is another phrase in Romans chapter 8 where the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit being our helper. It says you have a weakness. That's what it Romans. It says you have a weakness. And the weakness is this. You don't know how you ought to pray. How many know that weakness? <laughs> Limited knowledge is our weakness. We don't always know how to pray according to the will of God. But it says the Holy Spirit helps. Everybody say, he's my helper. my helper. The Holy Spirit helps you to pray according to the will of God. And so it is the will of God that everybody speak in tongues. This is the help, the supernatural help of the Holy Spirit. And so if you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, 
I'd love to pray for you this morning. Just get up here and I'll pray and we'll get you filled up with the Holy Spirit. Jesus will fill you full and some manifestations will begin to, supernatural manifestations will begin to happen in your life. And I'll give you this little book on the Holy Spirit baptism. The other book available to you out there on the uh, table, please take it. It's uh, that publication I told you about earlier. And uh, I, don't, I don't need music. I appreciate it, though. Thanks. Yeah, I, I want to I get you. I want to get you. <laughs> Amen. And, 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 then, and then there's newsletters. Please pick them up. And, and if you want to start receiving these monthly newsletters, they got, oh, they got good stories, you know, about China and everything God's doing in the ministry. And so you've been a part of that. So pick up some newsletters. Well, has this been helpful to you? Yes. Have I stirred you? Yes. You need the Holy Spirit. How many, in, how many in this room, you are baptized in the Holy Spirit and you speak with other tongues? Let me see your hands. Okay. If you couldn't lift your hand, I'm talking to you this morning. This is what you need for the new, Christ, the new creation living that God has ordained for you. You wonder why things aren't, don't look in your life like they ought to look? Well... You need the helper. You need the helper. And so at the end of this service, I'm going to be standing right here, and I want to pray for those of you that want to be, matter of fact, is there anybody here that's thirsty for what I'm saying, and you want prayer to be filled with the Holy Spirit this morning? Let me see your hand. You want some prayer on this. Okay, one, two, anybody else? Kind of thirsty. A little thirsty. More, more better thirsty. Okay, more better. Uh, well, why don't, uh, why don't you guys come up here right now, and after we close, I'm going to give you just a little instruction to help you uh, receive. It's real easy. And we're going to lay hands on you, and the Holy Spirit is going to empower you and fill you up. So as we stand up together, if you would just come on down here, and then I'm going to turn it over to you. And also, uh, if you need some healing today in your body, uh, if you have some spiritual need where you need some agreement in prayer, this is the time when the believers come together for you to get the prayer you need for the situations that you're facing. And there is a ministry team here that will pray for your needs. Please don't go. If you have some spiritual needs in your life, get some prayer here before we break up. And uh, So those of you that want prayer for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, come on up over here. I got you. And uh, you got the mic. Those of you that, uh, come on, why don't we sit at this table? How about that? Come sit at this table. This would be good. Pull up Thank a chair. you, Lord. Yes, sir. Well, the Bible says to give honor to whom honors do. And so let's just, let's just, well, I'm going to pray over us and dismiss us. But I also want to give the opportunity to sow into his ministry what he has sown into us. Spiritually, we want to reciprocate that and sow into his ministry financially and so what we're going to do everybody look back there on the back see where that white box is what we're going to do is i'm going to pray and we're going to dismiss and we're going to give you the opportunity to just ask the lord what you would want to do what he would have you do and if so just write on there bill otten guest speaker whatever you want to put on there and just drop it back there in the back and we'll make sure that he gets it amen has it been good this morning was i the only one taking notes or was other people everybody Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for more better. What you have given to us is far better than what you gave to us, what you gave to those men when you sent Jesus to walk amongst us. So, Lord, it's hard for us to even begin to understand that with our natural mind, but we don't have the natural mind anymore. Just that we have one on the inside of us that illuminates us. And, Lord, I ask, we ask, and we release our faith to deepen our revelation of that fact of what Jesus said, that it is better. We ask that you deepen that in us. Something about that speaks volumes to us. And we, we determine that we will deepen our relationship with you as an act of our will. We determine we will do that. Lord, I thank you for us being led by the Spirit of God. You said for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. 
And Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for Lifeline Ministries. We thank you for Brother Bill bringing us this word. Lord, we declare and speak and release our faith to bless him as he travels and as he ministers and as he goes back to Hilton Head, that, Lord, that you would continue to reveal to him the next stages of his ministry and in the life that you've called him and Sue to do. Lord, we release our faith for that in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And now we thank you that as we go, we have someone on the inside of us that is showing us and teaching us and revealing things to us. But more than that, we thank you that you are showing us things to come. So as we leave, I thank you for divine encounters that we would listen to the unction to cross over into the yellow line, to speak to that person in, 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 the, in the Walmart parking lot, or to speak to that person as we go eat at Longhorns, or whatever it is, wherever we're at, to, to speak to the neighbor. Lord, we'd be sensitive to that. In Jesus' name, we'll be sensitive to take hold of the opportunities that you present us in every realm because you care for us, you love us, and you've given us this gift. We acknowledge it, and we reverence it, and we honor it, and we determine to walk with it in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen.